All right, guys. Today I'm back at the podcast. Um, it is. Uh, it's been a really long time. Uh, I've basically been paying for the podcast to be live every single month because I didn't want to stop it and start it. I just knew that at some point I needed to take a break uh, and 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 regain some fuel uh, after everything that happened in 2019, 2020, and uh, 2021. Um, I started to pick up steam again and. Um, I was reached out to by um, a good friend of mine from TDR Records, who has put out a number of great albums um, from my friends Barely Blind, Punchline, The Promise Hero. And um, he talked to me and asked me if I wanted to do an interview with Bobby Vaughn, who played in The Promise Hero and now has his own solo record out. Um, Bobby played in the uh, pop punk outfit, uh, The Promise Hero, like I said. And his new solo album is entitled Bobby Vaughn. Um, and I'm going to be talking with him about a number of things today. And uh, what it's like like writing in a group versus writing solo project music, as well as uh, how the pandemic has affected him. I know that each of us have our own quarries on how the pandemic has uh, taken effect on us. Um, so trying to get his perspective on what it's done for him. Uh, and any influences he's had in writing during this, as well as uh, what he misses about playing live, uh, his any shows that he looks forward to coming up, and as uh, as well as uh, what his perspective is on what might um, change once concerts start coming back together and, and everyone starts going out again. What might change about the whole live concert perspective? Because him and I are both musicians, um, and... Uh, we, we both have seen how the scene has changed drastically in like the last 20 years. We both graduated around the same time in high school and um, watched the pop-punk explosion of the early 2000s happen and unravel. Watched the new millennium take over with um, where everything mo moved over from, from uh, a hard, hard platform format to, to digital uh, nobody's buying CDs anymore. Everyone's downloading everything. So uh, we both kind of have the same um, the same perspective on, on I think, on th well, not the same perspective, but we both kind of have the same uh, background on things. We grew, both grew up around the same time. So it's going to be interesting to listen his uh, uh, perspective on it. And without further ado, here's Bobby uh, and me talking about uh, everything that I said um, a couple seconds ago, <laughs> as well as uh, a bunch more things. So uh, check it out. So first off, um, I'm here with Bobby Vaughn of uh, The Promise Hero. Our band played together a couple times. I was in a band called Half Past Yesterday, and oh. we played under player production under Donnie. Wow. In Pittsburgh a long time ago. My brother found the flyer to it, and I hope before... I edit all of this together. I can put it somewhere in here and uh, and show you that. But it's, uh, yeah, we our band played together with Punchline. Wow, in Pittsburgh. So what was the venue? I have no clue. My brother said he found hey. it because I mentioned you, and he's like, yeah, we definitely played with that guy's band. <laughs> wow. It had to be like 2007, 2008, something like ages ago. It had to be a great show, Punchline in Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, um... I think Barely Blind might have been on that show, too. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I miss those Was guys. Was Smiling Moose? Maybe. Maybe. I, um, mm -hmm. 
or maybe the space pimps were on there. Well, Rishi, Eternal Boy, wow. whatever they're, you know, Rishi's things they're called these days. Oh my god, I totally forgot that they were called space pimps before that. And yep. when you said that, I just got like chills yeah. from nostalgia. Yeah, they're all, all their records are on uh, are on Spotify. It's crazy. Was, barely, barely blind stuff is on there too. Amazing. I was just listening to a lot of Eternal Boy. I was catching up on everything they released because I I follow Rishi on everything and i'm like how come i haven't listened to everything because their new songs are amazing they yeah. have that new music video and i it caught it pulled me in um but i've already known that he was talented and they're good but i just gave them a full discography listen just yesterday or the day before yeah it's wild and then like a four chord festival um should mm. be coming up here uh, I'm, I'm just plugging like everybody that I've lost. Yeah, and, <laughs> and who's headlining? And who's headlining that festival? Blink One Eighty Two and the Used, which is insane. Wow. Yeah, I think I've heard of those bands. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, I, I, I think I heard of those bands. Uh, Blink One Eighty Two. <laughs> I don't have a Used tattoo yet, but working on it. I just have the Star Trek tattoo. That's. I just got off all... Ivy a few weeks ago. Beautiful. I just saw you wearing an off Ivy shirt, and when I was I wasn't stalking you or anything. Uh, I was totally just making fine. sure I was I was up to date on everything. Yeah, I've I've been, I've 2019. Well, 2019 was rad. Um, 2020 was like really crazy for a lot of us, but like went through separation and then like work and a car and like just everything that could possibly go wrong in one year on top of yeah. a global pandemic happened. So I was like, I need to take a break, and luckily mm-hmm. it happened like right in the. The, the, the perfect time. So what, what exactly happened with you in 2020 when the pandemic hit? Um, what, did you stop writing? Were you like in the process of playing shows? Did you guys have tour, tour booked or you did you have personal tour booked or what, what exactly um, happened in 2020 with you when everything just kind of clicked and came to a screeching halt? The image I have in mind is a, a pregnant lady about to have her baby, but it's not a pregnant lady. It's me. And I'm about to release, these new songs I've been working on for like five years as my debut under my own name instead of the promise hero. And then the pandemic hit and I was like, this, I mean, obviously the first thing I'm like, are we going to be okay? Are we going to live yeah. through this? And then after I started to see that things could still kind of be worked on, I was like, okay, now is this a good thing that I have more time to work on this or am I like ready to release this? And honestly, it felt like, um, I don't know. Here I am now, and it's all coming out, and I'm just, I feel like it feels amazing. So everything leading up to this point was more of a, what can I do every day to get this thing going? Exactly, yeah. And I just occupied myself with that. But um, wow, here are your struggles, that that car and all the things that you mentioned. <laughs> no, it was, it, was, uh, it, was, it, was, it was pretty crazy. Um, did you... Uh during this did you have all of your songs already written like everything was ready to go and then the pandemic hit or did yes. you did you go back and write songs like did you have any influence from the pandemic and you wrote some songs and then put them on the record as well all of these songs were like a pregnant lady like about to be released okay into the world but with the pandemic i was going back and forth with sean o'keefe with the mixes and I kind of hit cruise control and was like, let's make these mixes as good as can be. And then okay. I started going back and forth like, well, you know, I thought there could be more percussion on this song. Do you know any percussionists? Because he was in Texas at the time. And he's like my friend in Chicago. So like he's flying the songs out uh, through email and, and we're adding things and just 
change, not changing, but just sprinkling more glitter on top. I of think the song. MXPX said that they did that with uh, the song "Quit Your Life." where it was just an acoustic uh-huh. song and then it just got bigger and they started adding timpani drums and they added strings and they had like all this crazy stuff and then by the end of it it was just this giant thing and is that pretty much what you did too you just started adding trying to make it bigger and better uh, first of all i'h we're gonna this is gonna turn into an mxpx fan appreciation also, podcast in I'm just a, a second I'm an mxpx fan uh me too i don't have the tattoo i used to have the belt buckle i have the I belt buckle. i have it somewhere around <laughs> here I, I know it's around here <laughs> That should be like that should be an entry into like a club. You have to show the buckle of the the face to the to the Poconacho punks. Absolutely. Um, so when you said that, two of these songs on my EP were originally acoustic, and if you listen to my EP, I don't think you could tell which two they were because no. they apt not a hint of it. But um, I'm ready, and Permanent Holiday were just acoustic versions recorded in Cleveland with a local producer that is amazing, Dave Pytech. And then I recorded Tearing Me Up, Maybe I'm Just Crazy, and In the Middle in Nashville with Will Will Pugh from Cartel. And I was like, hey, I got these two acoustic songs. Can we add drums? Because the drummer there was his studio partner. Oh, right. So awesome. I was like, you're good. Can you? And he just, he played the drums on top of it, and it sounds like the drums were laid down first. It's so perfect. So you I didn't had, know that about MXPX though. So. Yeah, no, no, it's it's wild. Um, on the it's on their B movies uh, documentary, and then they actually released a another version that's just acoustic that Mike put out. Wow. Uh, uh, I used to have a band called Skyline Heartbeat, and Mike sang on our record in 2014. It was an EP. Him and Rishi. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I got I got I got drunk I got drunk at a punk show, and they had a karaoke nights, and the girl who was supposed to sing never showed up. And I was like, I'll be Katie or whatever the girl's name was. And he's like, if she doesn't show up by the next song, you can come and sing. And I went on the uh, stage and sang with him, and then we became friends ever since. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, speaking of relationships, you have a really fond, awesome relationship with TDR Records. What has your relationship been with those guys like? And how is how did that all start and, and, and everything? Yeah. Well, we Mike from TDR has a different perspective of the story than I do. My perspective was 2006 or seven, I was spamming. You could call it, I'm saying spamming because that's probably how it felt from their perspective, but I was just shooting out uh, personalized messages, guessing people's emails and TDR was one of them saying, hi, I'm in a band, my name is Bobby and I have, here's my song, demo, wait for the sun, sent. Next person, he probably got that email. I, I think I stalked him a little bit and found his screen name and I might have said, hey, I'm, I see that you have a band called Fairly Blind and another band called The Stork or uh, The Prize Fight. Yeah. Oh um, man, I miss those guys too. <laughs> amazing. They sounded so good. His perspective is I sent him, I think that email. And so I was all of a sudden this kid was messaging him. He went to a show in Toledo to see Punchline. Sounds about right. I don't, I don't remember Spittlefield. I don't remember the line. I can't tell you this line. Spill Canvas probably, something like that. Maybe. I don't remember. Yeah. But so he went to go see this all-star lineup of bands that he loves in Toledo. I don't know why he went there. I went because a friend was like, I'm going to the show. You want to pass out your flyers there? And I'm like, sweet. 
I passed Mike a flyer. So here's my flyer. Eat this. You know, I'm just like passing it out to everybody. <laughs> I, I just, I was the king of, please notice me, notice me, notice me. And uh, he noticed me and I, I didn't know I was giving him a flyer. So after that, I, I hit him enough times for his attention. And then I got the opportunity to work with Chris Conley from Save the Day. Guess how I got to work with him? Guess. Just go ahead and guess. Through Mike? Nope. I spammed him. Really? I messaged, yeah, Chris Conley had a face or a MySpace. I wrote, hi, my name is Bobby. Here's my demo. Sent. And he actually wrote back. And these moments, getting people to write back. Cold when calls. I just cold call people. Uh, funny enough, Jarrett Reddick from Bowling for Soup, he was doing a solo show in Pittsburgh, and I tried going through his publicist, I tried going through his record label, I tried going through Bowling for Soup's everything, and they were, nobody responded. I hit him up on Instagram, I was like, yo, I do this, I've interviewed these bands, I know you're friends with the same people, you know, and he's like, dude, you're, you're in. Here's my number, and I'll see you Saturday. And then we got drunk and did an interview. <laughs> it, uh, it's so insane how these people are so much closer than it, you would think. Yeah, and if, if, if more people like you and I would just just go out on the limb and just uh, just cold call people, you never know. Mm-hmm. The worst they're going to say is, nah, not today. Sorry, I can't. Yeah, I, or I, yeah, exactly that. Try, try me again another time. Yeah, wow, I, I didn't even... I did the Back to the Beach Festival out in L.A. a couple years ago, and I hit up Blinks. They were headlining that. I hit up Blinks, and they're like, sorry, they're not doing press this tour. Hit us back up. And then they did the tour with Lil Wayne and Neck Deep, and they said, well, we're not doing press this tour either, but if you want press passes, we'll hook you up with that. Yeah, I want press passes for that. So, like, just just put yourself out there and see what happens. Do you yeah. think? Uh, do you think flyering oh, still? Ha- do, no, you're good. <laughs> um, do you think um, things have changed and come a long way since flyering? Because we used to do flyers too. And how do you think bands post-pandemic can get their name out there? Being that like you can't you can't go to a show and flyer anymore because everything's shut down. You can't. Nobody wants to take paper because they're afraid of getting sick. Um, what do you think bands can do to get their name out there? I think it's the exact same thing as flyering. You you can't just you could go up to a line of people and just hand them out, or you could go up to each person individually and say, "Cool shirt, I like MXPX too." And they say, "Wait, you you actually see me as an individual?" It takes so much more work to to talk to people yeah. and 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 call them out for their individuality, but that is how you create people that want to support you support me people that come to my show still and, and keep in touch i've had real conversations i know it's probably the same online it's just it is it happened uh, to me today i was yeah, a tractor supply getting cat litter and some girl like my dead kennedy shirt and i was like well, if you like that i have this channel and just slid her a card i just carry a bunch of business cards around with me i don't know if she's ever gonna check it out she could throw it away but it's still we made that interaction it's a little more difficult online, though, I think, because you can't see their facial expressions when you're, you know, flyering. You can see, like, this person is, like, no, You can, you can no. read vibes. You like, can definitely, yeah, you can vibe off of them. Absolutely. And um, post-pandemic, I feel the same. I feel like it's always going to be, if we could personalize things, the most we could personalize, the more we'll get back. Are you writing... Whether it's virtual. 
are you writing songs and have you been writing songs throughout pandemic? I know you said you had everything ready to ready to go, but have you been mm-hmm. writing and has your writing style changed given that? Yeah, I feel like um, I got engaged right when the pandemic hit. Thank you. And I've been spending so much time rearranging things around my life. And I started substitute teaching because my fiance is a teacher and I couldn't really play music. So she got my foot in the door with that. It makes me wonder, I still have been feeling creative. I've been writing. I got an electric drum set for the first time. I've been playing drums. What kind do you have? The Alessis Elise. I don't know Alessis, how to pronounce yeah, yeah. it. Uh, it's the cheapest one. It's only 300 bucks. That's and... the one I got. And then I end up, I never use it. I'm left-handed. I'm terrible at drums. So I end up using keyboard drums. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been keyboarding drumming. Is that, are you talking about like do stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you go back in and you put the hi-hats in. And then you go back and you put the cymbals in. And Yeah, it, that's that's all I've known until I bought this actual drum set. I'm terrible um, I I feel like I'm terrible but I can tell you that being a roadie for bands and them saying, go up there and check my drums in front of yeah, yeah. that with, without doing that, I don't think I would ever feel confident to ever buy an electric drum set. I have had the opportunity to, I'm not a drummer. I don't know anything about drums, yeah. but somehow they're like, we need a drum tech and you're our merch guy. Do you know how to set up drums? I'm like, sure. That was with, um, Shaky Graves and a band called Big Data. He has one song that everybody knows called Dangerous. And I set up, I just started setting up the drums. They showed me exactly where things go. And I think it's, you know, it's like Legos. You just kind of put it yeah. back the same way. And then I get the opportunity to, to, to line check, not like just make sure everything works. And then just feeling that boom and just like that reverberating kick around the whole venue. That's like, whoa. It, it gave me that confidence that I'm like, okay and now i'm practicing on the drums in front of all these people and a mic that is what gave me the confidence to uh without that i don't i don't know if i'd be having this conversation right now if worse comes to worse there's also quantitization absolutely absolutely <laughs> that's yes um and i i i feel like there's so much more to learning the drums yeah. And not not demoing the drums per se, but just understanding the language more. And I feel like I can't wait to get in a room with a full band again, so I can speak to the drummer, whoever that might be in the future, about what 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 we could do to make it sound as much as the album, like the album. I write my own music too sometimes, and I've realized that with drums, because I'm pretty much illiterate when it comes to them, that less is a lot of times more. Because when you're adding so much like double kick because you like want to make it go crazy or like all these rides and cymbal parts that when you start mixing it together to make a rough demo, it just sounds like total trash because it's all mud. Mm-hmm. So I've learned a lot. It's like a lot of it is it, less is a whole lot more when it comes to when it comes to doing drums for me anyways. Absolutely. And then that opens up the availability for you to sing more uh, syllables and the, or more uh, guitar Guitaring. Putting cool little stop breaks in there, uh, harmonies, you know, the list goes on. Oh, know. yeah. Absolutely. So that's that's all you're doing is allowing something else to shine. <laughs> when you played, what was the last show you played before the pandemic hit? Do you remember? I played solo, piano, uh, kind of like a local, not really announced, um, at a place called 
Stella's. I can't remember. I think that was, I think they closed down because of the pandemic. Yeah. And uh, it was more about stopping and looking at engagement rings before that gig, <laughs> that same day. That's what happened. But that gig was cool because my fiance was, my about to be fiance was with us and it was a small crowd. Uh, what was the last live show you went and saw? Like, that that you mine mine was Motion City soundtrack and Punchline. Wow, where was that and when was that? Pittsburgh. Um, basically, Motion City soundtrack did the uh, Don't Call Us the Comeback tour at the beginning right. of 2020, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, 2019 and 2020, and they had like all of these like like one local band would play, and Punchline was that night. And Steve had called me up and was like, Hey, um, we're also doing our CD release or no, our 10th anniversary. Um, the following night at the Rex, would you want to do the whole weekend? And I was like, hell yeah. And he didn't, wow. tell, me, he didn't tell me Motion City was playing at the one show. He's like, oh yeah, by the way, Motion City's playing. What? <laughs> so yeah, he got me into that, and then I, I filmed the whole both nights for them. That's amazing. Yeah. And then the wow. pandemic hit and kind of screwed stuff up. But that was that was mine. <laughs> uh, well, that's a very beautiful way to end seeing concerts is getting to go to those two. Um, I don't think I had a pleasurable experience. I think mine was being a roadie and it was with Shaky Graves. I was working for Shaky Graves and I, I think opening for them was, or I think they were switching headlining. It was um, Dr. Dog. I love Dr. Dog, so it was cool. <laughs> um, was that was that in Ohio? It was all over the country. and um, Oh, you were on tour. Yes. That's it. after touring as a roadie for so long with these bands, I felt more like I, uh, it's, it was hard to get up and go see concerts when that's all I, uh, yeah. woke up and did every day. Yeah. It, and, I felt the same thing in 2019. I, um, I was doing like two or three shows and I couldn't even enjoy them. Cause I was like, everyone's like, Oh my God, this person's playing at Warped Tour. And I'm like, yeah, it's really cool that I'm in air conditioning in the green room, but I can't watch them right now. Cause I'm interviewing like real big fish. But at the same time, it makes me kind of sound exactly. like a dick because I'm interviewing real big fish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that the thing that you're doing in that green room or areas is such a, a – It's work, not pleasure. Work, not pleasure, and it's it's something that you have more passion. Yeah, maybe, yeah. I don't know. I, maybe I don't want to put that word in your mouth. But no, absolutely. You already, you've seen so many shows, I'm sure, that it's like this is this is where it's at right yeah, now. And, yeah, yeah. And for me, I guess it was, it was also in the, the green room or just living with these bands and, and soaking in their lives and seeing like what it is that they have that makes them so much more successful. Than, like to me, that was so interesting. And then when I would come home from these tours, I'd be like, I'm dead. And yeah. people would be like, save the days in town. And I'm like, I don't want to uh... save the day. I want to save my <laughs> life right now. I'm so, I'm so Absolutely. burnt. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Uh, moving forward, what do you think is going to change about live shows once shows come back? I know a lot of bands uh, have been pushing stuff. They said 2020, and now it's 2021. I know My Chemical Romance dropped their entire touring until 2022. Um, wow. A lot of a lot of shows are announcing September. Um, Rishi just uh, announced that Four Chords is going to be moving to September sometime. He hasn't put out a date for that yet. Um, Riot Fest is doing something in September, but they... They're also talking about pushing it to 2022. So what do you think moving forward, um, what do you think is going to change about shows? I think we'll see more respect 
people asking for respect for privacy space boundaries. I think that thing is going to stick um, because we were before the pandemic, we were already hearing a lot more of like um, uh, just respect people more. I feel like there was more of a, that already happening before um, the pandemic of, you know, treating even people on stage. Yeah. I, I felt like people were getting assaulted or some, just like that whole, the Me Too movement was happening yes. so much that I feel like we're going to slap on this whole another layer of respect people's boundaries also because they might have a pre-existing condition and they might not be vaccinated or something. You're going to see, I think we're going to see masks all the time uh, forever. And I think it's going to get pretty close to being back how it was, just a little bit more respect for each other. One of the rumors I heard that um, venues are also going to knock down their capacity size. Not by half or anything crazy, but maybe like if it's 5,000, they might not knock it down to 4,500 just to have a little bit more room. Um, mm-hmm. Ticket prices might go up a little bit, but those are the only things that I've really heard. And that there might be COVID um, uh, tests at the door up until everybody is vaccinated. I know that I got yeah. my vaccine card. I've talked to a, a number of publicists that said moving forward that if you plan on interviewing anyone face-to-face, you're going to have to show us that card because we won't mm-hmm. even chance a COVID um, vaccine. You can get – you can or not a, sorry, not a vaccine, a COVID test. You can get tested. Right. You can get tested yesterday, and someone can sneeze wrong on you, and then you, you got yeah. it, and they're not going to chance their artists getting sick or potentially dying um, because yeah. this is so wild. Um, do you know anyone, you don't have to name names or anything, do you know anybody that was personally affected um, by COVID? And did you yeah. get it yourself? Do, do, do you know if you had it? I did not get it. <clears throat> but uh, a very close friend's family was very very much affected by it. And uh, it is... It's wild it's, to see. There's no words I could put to it. It's, it's shocking and it's hard to think about it. I don't know if I had it, but I went to the hospital in 2019, 2020, and they tested me for everything. Couldn't figure out what it was. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they said it was unknown pathogen. Didn't even have a name. Yeah. So, and then they just cut me loose. So I could have had it. I don't know. I'm feeling yeah. kind of shitty <laughs> right now. <laughs> like, like, it was unknown pathogen, and like, maybe they would give me an update on it or whatever, but uh-huh. I, I doubt they're going to do that. <laughs> yeah. God, it's just the my fiance Toby is so passionate, and I am I stand next to her, but she gets so fiery, and she's like, just get vaccinated, everybody. Um, and I stand with her, and um, I bring her up because uh, just hearing about you know uh, when you ask me if anyone was affected, it makes me think about the people that are like I don't know anybody affected, and so. And they people that might follow theories and other weird stuff yeah. that don't want to get vaccinated. It's just yeah, it's weird yeah. to me. It's weird to me. It might not be weird to other people. No, no, it, it definitely is. I, I, I live in southwestern PA, and so there's like a lot of rednecks, a lot of, a lot of red going on. Uh, so there's, I see a lot of people just not wearing masks in the grocery store and stuff, and mm-hmm. and, and they wonder why like they're getting sick, and that's exactly why. Mm-hmm. Just, just get vaccinated or wear a mask. One of the two, and nothing's gonna mm-hmm. go back to normal unless you, unless you do said thing. Like Australia, they abided by all that stuff, and they just had a festival with like 125,000 people. I think. Wow. Yeah. Everything's back to normal in Australia. 
But, yeah, uh, yeah, we'll get there hopefully. I think. I, I really hope so. Um, what do you miss? What do you miss most about playing live? Uh, playing live, I miss everything. The interaction between me and my friends on stage playing in the same band. The interaction between locking eyes with people in the audience that actually want to be there, singing the words. The interaction with the people that open the doors before you load in and say, "Welcome to our venue," and we say, "We've been here a hundred times. Don't you remember us?" But uh, just interacting and feeling connected, feeling involved in part of something. My kids are looking at me so weird right now. <laughs> I have them. They, I, I told them that I was going to interview some guy, and they didn't know who. Uh -huh. So they've been looking up your music all day. Oh, I'm good with kids. I have a, I'm a substitute teacher from preschool to eighth grade right now. So, hi. <laughs> I have uh, one in um, third grade. And then I have a 16-year-old who's my niece who we watch as well. And, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, they've been doing homeschooling. Um, how oh, has that been, right. How has that been with you guys? Did, now, is schools open back up where you're at? Uh, I think so. The school that I work for stayed open, but they're a small, very small school. Okay. And, and they were, like, leading just other schools as far as precautions and ways to stay yeah. safe. So they've stayed open and, and they've had weird things that like, even though they're all in school, they stay in one class with the same small amount of kids and they all zoom with the teachers around oh, okay. in the same school. Okay. See, it's, it's different here. I know it's, I know it's different for each school district. They still change classes. They're, it's mandatory for them to wear masks in the hallway, but once they get to their desk, there's like a barrier. Kind of like how it was mm -hmm. in South Park. If you watch the pandemic episode, um, no, I need to see that. It's 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 so wild. It's so in typical South Park. Um, and then the the they have a um, faculty go around and spray the desks in between each student sitting down. I'm wondering, on South Park or in, in real life? <laughs> uh, it's a little bit of both because it's kind of like um, um, comedy imitating reality. That's so, so funny. Yeah, because yeah, a lot of the stuff that's going on, it's like they're far. It's South Park. They're far fetching it, but at the same time, it's. It's exactly what's going on. Yeah. Um, we just kept the kids home because um, my daytime hustle, like my job job, is um, I take care of old people. Mm -hmm. Like I am a, I'm a personal care attendant, so I, I go on a, in a huge tower and I go from the seventh floor all the way to the second floor. Wow. Five, six days a week. So does my wow. ex. We are both work at the same company still. We're still cool. Um, mm -hmm. And... Uh, we just don't want the kids to get affected because then it affects us and then it could affect people in Absolutely. the age range that is going to, that'll kill them. Like there's no ands, ifs, or buts, buts. I'm getting, Absolutely. Uh, there's people that have, have BiPAP machines on and, and all this other crazy stuff already. So mm -hmm. just them getting that is just going to amplify it. So kept the kid, we've been keeping the kids home um, during, during the pandemic. Um, they can't wait for their show. The 16-year-old that I just told you about, her first show was Punchline and Motion City Soundtrack, ever. Wow. Her first concert. Wow. So I'm hoping that's – she wants to go to concerts now. Um, my 8-year-old um, really likes kind of old-school pop punk. She likes Green Day. She likes Billie mm -hmm. Eilish. Ice Nine Kills for some reason. She really is that likes, like is that like metally heavy? Really heavy. I, I interviewed Spencer um, like a year and a half ago. Like uh -huh. they toured with Falling in Reverse, so it's kind of like that aesthetic. Got it. But they write each song is about like horror. Like so, they uh -huh. write song one song about it, one song about 
um, um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Like each song mm-hmm. is about, yeah. She's really into that. Um, what do you remember being the first band, punk band, pop punk band, getting into growing up like around that age? And what what age were you actually when you first got into the this scene? I was. <laughs> Uh, well, I have my brother. I have an older brother named Justin, and he if you talk to him, he'd say I'm actually his younger brother. He hit me. Anyways, he was pop punk, punk, ska guy. He was four years older than me, and he let me have his MXPX CD, and I was in sixth grade. I don't know. How old is that? Sixth grade is like... Depends on how well, old you are. Um, <laughs> what, 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 what year did you graduate? Oh five that I'm that was 06. and and oh I feel like we have so much in common. Nothing yeah. gets sidetracked. Um, MXPX and then Blink One Eighty Two and my brother was like, "We're going to Warp Tour." This is like this is ninety nine and oh, he's wow. like, "You come, you come with." I'm like, "Sure, I don't know what that is." And I so also had, had friends that got into Blink One Eighty Two because mate, I think because of my brother. My friends got into Blink-182, and they were rich, and they bought the tickets, and we went to see Blink-182. I was living in Minnesota, so the scenario, the scenery is completely wow, like yeah, green, yeah. green, luscious trees everywhere. And I saw Blink-182, and Phoenix PX and Battery Religion opened up for Blink-182. <laughs> I'm getting text message. Yeah, Oh, I thought that was one of the one of your. No, no, it, it was a, it was a text message. I'm getting yeah. <laughs> Oh, no! I, I tried um, to put it on airplane mode, and apparently that didn't work. <laughs> I love when that happens. Yeah, no, that's 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 so wild. It does it does sound like we it, we were in the midst of the pop punk explosion of the early two thousands, most yeah. definitely. Um, did you go to the pop disaster tour? I remember all my friends did, and I was very angry. I was like, "You guys go to that and have fun." <laughs> I, I, I couldn't go. I wasn't I I got into them like a year later, two thousand three, two thousand four. But I still knew who Blink was. My parents really weren't kosher on me going to concerts and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was uh it was one of those things where I just had to wait. I did end up going to Warp Tour two thousand five. It's the first one I went to. What was that the first Warp Tour you went to was you said ninety nine? Ninety nine. Yeah, Damn. I did it. I I was barely conscious of what life was. I was I don't know, 12 or 13. It was like, Green Day played that year. Blink, Eminem was on that tour. Yeah. And I, Kelly, I, I think. I, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I just remember seeing H2O. I'm like, why are there 50-year-olds on stage? And how come they're so amazing? And then I find out later on that H2O is one of my favorite bands. That's how I got into No Effects. I was like, what is this dude doing on stage with blow-up dolls in a dress? And I didn't understand <laughs> it. And then I did. And he was singing like, terrible songs about michael jackson doing stuff to kids and like just that's fat mike's nature though so like i was just Absolutely. yeah i was i was blown away by it and I, I i didn't look back ever since uh i think no effects was at this one and mxpx the one thing i remember is mxpx just finished and then no effects started on the next stage they're like hey we're jews and they're christians i remember that because that was very <laughs> some jewish and i don't i never get and in Minnesota, especially, nobody's Jewish. So that moment, I was like, guys, this is about me. This is about me. I'm Jewish. They're talking about something that I can relate to. And That's I didn't amazing. know any of those bands. That's... Now I love them all. I, I, for the longest time before I got into the scene or anything, I just knew 
that they had letters in their name, so I mixed up MXPX and NoFX. So yeah. Like, and H2O was another one. I was like, do they get these guys like? They're called Water. Like I don't, I don't get it. And then like Phoenix TX, Absolutely. and then like all the number bands. Like Blink came out, Sum Forty One. I was like, what? None of this makes any sense. Like, why aren't they it called like? Why aren't they called like Foreigner or like Bon Jovi or something like? Because that's what I grew up on as '80s hair metal. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was. That's it was amazing. Crazy transition from that to punk and and and, and pop punk and, and emo and all that stuff. But I, I don't understand it. So they have hair metal and such awesome guitarists. Does, is that was that your lead-in to playing guitar? Like, did you play guitar because of that, those bands, and did you learn that stuff first? Really weird thing. Me and both my brothers, um, we were in the youngest classical rock band in the United States at one point. We were four. So you're... Yeah, we were four, six, and eight years old. I played keyboards and I played bass on the keyboard. And wow. then my brother played guitar, and then my other brother played drums. And we were in a band with my dad, and. It was Journey Forner, Boston, Kansas, The Beatles, Del Shannon, like Gary Puckett and the Union Gap, everything from the fifties to the really early nineties. But he hated like he hated grunge, so he didn't get into that stuff. But it was it was like yeah, it was like it was like early nineties Bon Jovi and that kind of stuff. I think that's the latest we went. And then I picked I got a bass, I really wanted a bass guitar because of Getty Lee from Rush when I was like fourteen or fifteen. And then I got into Mark Hoppus right around that time. And I was like, these songs are so easy. Uh, uh, so does Rush, how does that compare? Because I still feel like I hear amazing, intricate things on the radio. And then I learn it. And I'm like, oh, this is just like Blink-182 when you look at look back at it. It's, is, uh, how does it compare? The guitar riffs are pretty easy. Kind of like Alex Lyson, uh like nine tenths of his solos are actually done on one string. It's just like pulling off on the root. Mm-hmm. A lot of their stuff is in like D or A, um, E. So he's like mm-hmm. rooting it and just going down with thirds. Um, Getty Lee's a little different. He's insane. Like if you listen to YYZ or like the Red Barchetta or um, Tom Sawyer even, he's playing keyboards with his hands and his feet. And then he's playing bass with his hands. He's hammering off. Wow. With, with this hand while playing keyboards with the other and then singing at the same time. So no, I, incorpor- I can't do that. I incorporated that into um, the one band that I had, uh, Skyline Heartbeat, the one that Mike wow. sang on. And, um, wow. I, I played keyboard. We did like synth. It was like Motion City soundtrack, but like diet Motion City soundtrack. Is that available? I was going to ask before. Can I hear that? Is that on Spotify? I It's on YouTube. I didn't. I Once the band broke up, I wasn't going to keep paying for everything. And mm-hmm. keeping it up there on, on there, we were going through TuneCore at the time, which TuneCore is so expensive. Um, uh, I know that there are a lot of cheaper options these days, where it's like five bucks a month, twenty bucks a month, or something like that, um, to keep your stuff on, on online. But I, ha- <laughs> it's on YouTube. I'm a, I'll send you a link on Facebook. Our Please, whole I, on I there. Wanna... Yeah, I, I really wanted to do something with that band, and then our drummer became a nurse. Our guitar player. Is our guitar player, <laughs> and then my brother was in the band, and he got a job, and he got engaged and stuff. So like everybody moved on except me. <laughs> but you, I, I feel like I'm asking you quite too many questions. No, it's if fine. You, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I just saw I was I wasn't stalking you, but I was catching up, and I thought you were doing a song recently with your brother. Was that before the pandemic? Yeah, no. We or was were, that was that a cover? Were you covering Starting Line? Never mind. <laughs> we were we were messing around with some stuff. We had I literally have. Okay, that's a good question for you. Do you still have, like, books and stuff when you, like, wrote down lyrics? Do you still have stuff from high school and all that stuff when you started writing in music? 
Yes. I, I have did. all that stuff too. And we went back and we were like, these were such good songs. Let's modernize them because the demo mm-hmm. sounded like total trash. It was like three of us in a studio and it was like the engineer was like, okay, around the microphones, one, two, three, and play. No click track or anything. Wow. So it was like that. And um, we went back and we're like, we can make these songs better because they were really good. Mm-hmm. So we were going mm-hmm. back and he has Logic Pro and Pro Tools and um, and a bunch of plugins and stuff. So we were going back and we were, we were, st- were starting to do that. Um, over again, the songs that we really liked and the ones that really didn't make the cut, um, we just kind of backburnered them. And the songs that we never got to record, now we're doing that. But it's songs uh-huh. from like 15 years ago. Do you, wow. Do you ever find yourself doing that, like like going back through old journals and stuff and like checking and being like, hey, this is this is actually pretty good, or this is really cringy and I don't want to ever think about it ever again. Uh um, It's the weirdest thing about that is every song I've ever written. I, I'm pretty sure everything I've ever written from sixth grade, I think that's as far back as, I, as it goes. I look at it and I can start singing along because I think, I think my theory is if the more ADD, ADHD you have in your body, the more you're just forced yeah. to write something that you can remember. <laughs> you got to get it out. Do you use, um, do you use voice memo like on your phone or whatever? A little bit, and the more I think about uh, how Justin Timberlake, oh, well, okay, two different things. Yes, I do absolutely use voice memo, but if if I use voice memo and I still can't think of it mentally how it goes, I might just say that song is not good enough. I, I To me, a song is pursuable if I could start singing at any moment and try to remember the words. That's my... my uh, what do you want to call it? My process or something? <laughs> yes, it's how I determine if I want to keep pushing okay. a song. Uh, are you a lyrics or a melody person first, or does it depend on what you're feeling? I definitely when I when the Promise Hero was uh, so. In case anybody's listening to this that doesn't know, I was in a band called the Promise Hero. I was in a band called the Promise Hero when that was four people. Uh, um, all equally putting their heads together. We had plenty of songs that I didn't even hear before they put together. Those were my favorite songs to write lyrics for because it was just this blank canvas of cool music that I never heard before. And I was just like, oh, I could work really hard on lyrics. But by myself, it's one, it's almost 100%, maybe 99.9, uh, just hearing the melody and the chords in my head. And then the lyrics are see i've always been a lyrics person first and i voice mm-hmm. memo it the biggest problem i had before technology was paper and pencil and i'd be like this is really awesome i'm gonna write this down i'd go back later and i'm like damn it what's the melody to that i can't yeah. remember it and now i just gotta either try to remember or or make up something new and hopefully it's as good as or better than than what i originally had my uh my theory is Someone like you plus someone like me creates a beautiful uh, togetherness of well thought out lyrics with some fun melodies and chords. My brother, (laughs) (laughs) let's at least do one song together. That would be fun. But but this is something that my brother Justin has also uh, journals of lyrics. And he always just comes up to me. Our our thing, our dynamic is he sings. He's like he's like, here's my cool melody, but here's my lyrics. 
and I'll sing, and I'm like, oh, that's obviously this chord, which yeah. then that, and, and he's like, oh, I don't know how you do that. I'm like, I don't know how you do that. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how you come up with weird. Together it works, yeah. It's like John Lennon, oh, yeah. or not John Lennon, Elton John and his writer, like, one can write the melody and one can write the lyrics, but neither of them can do the opposite thing. Yes, so that's why I'm like, fingers crossed, hopefully I'm I'm doing well enough that people could enjoy my lyrics enough that they could also um, want to continue listening to me, because I'm just, I know I'm, I'm such more of a melody chord guy. When you do that's solo that. stuff and when you do Promise Hero stuff, you said that it's four of you guys writing as compared to the, to the one person. Is there any other differences in the way you go about writing in the Promise Hero compared to your solo stuff? Um, yeah, I guess because when the Promise Hero was four people, it would be, uh, it would be like, a, there's four people that could, three other guys that would say this song is not worth our time. Uh, when I'm solo, I'm like, I could see the potential that I feel like the three other guys wouldn't yeah. see. And I, I, so it's scary because it almost feels like having other people involved so early on the process could cut it off too short, or maybe they see something that I don't and they yeah. want to do it. Or that, so it's a little, it's a little, um, scary, but that's why there's new things. I've been, I've been trying not to demo as much. I've been trying to do one demo and trying to conceal the uh, emotions that I originally come up with in that first moment of writing the song. Are you like me and are you your own worst enemy when it comes to critiquing? Because I'll write a song and I'll be like, that's awesome. And then two days later, I'm like, that's trash. What was I thinking? Absolutely. When it comes to uh, recording my own demos, when it comes to um, performing my own instruments and and singing, I always think I could do it better. But that's what's the beauty of having band members that that perform. And hopefully, if these guys are in your band, hopefully you you look up to them at, for what how they play. That's why I'm I'm so pumped about my new EP because um, I wrote all these songs by myself and I came up with everything all by myself. But then when it came to record, I had Will Pugh was like, "Do you mind if I just play the guitar?" I'm like, "Yeah." Well, absolutely sweet. He learned everything so fast, and the drummer had his own. So I'm able to listen to my own songs and be like, "Oh, good, bravo, bravo!" But, Outside ears uh, is always, always a really good thing to have. Absolutely. I don't know how Elliot, Elliot Smith. I don't know how he lives with himself. He he recorded all of his own instruments on everything. You know, how do you do that? And I guess he didn't. Never mind. That's a bad joke because <laughs> he didn't. He didn't. <laughs> I know one person that did, William Elliot Whitmore. He's a uh, he's a folk guy. He plays banjo. He sounds mm -hmm. like he's 70 years old and smoked 10 packs of cigarettes a day. But he's this, like, 40-year-old <laughs> white punk dude with a beard. He actually recorded um, a Bad Religion song on a banjo. It's pretty rad. I'll have to send you a link to that, too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 um, but he recorded everything on his back porch. Just, like, a microphone and then another one for his voice, one for the banjo. And then sat on his back porch. He was in the middle of like nowhere and just pressed record. And the ambient sounded like birds chirping in the background and water. Wow. It's all part of it. There's no instruments other than his banjo and then his foot stomping for a bass sound. Oh, uh, and do you know, did he mix it all by himself? I think it's just kind of one of those like pre plug in, like maybe Ozone six or seven or whatever, where it's like a pre 
set where it's just like okay acoustic preset and then boom it just does all the final mixing yeah i think for his latter records um he started going to someone sort of like you can't have the back back porch sound already anymore you've done right this. and he also started adding um actual drums uh, more guitar upright bass that kind of stuff um really rad dude though he's coming to pittsburgh here soon i hope i hope unless they cancel <laughs> tour unless he cancels tour again uh as well um I could go two different ways. First thing I want to say, you mentioned presets. I don't know why recording myself on GarageBand, I was always like, I will figure this out without the presets. It took me like five years until I was like, what if I just hit the preset and see what happens when I fix? If you, my advice, if anyone's listening to this that has never recorded themselves, and it's just starting out, go with the presets. Yeah. Don't mess around too much. Just see what it, it, it now it allows me to focus on the performing way better instead of like learning EQ. EQ is important to know, oh, but yeah. I just spent so many years of trying to figure it out, and then the presets are. Do you like, still use GarageBand? I still use GarageBand to demo because uh, I think I don't want to to put any more time into something that gives me what I need. Yeah, it's gonna hit the cutting floor anyway. The cutting room floor, and you're going to end up either slicing it up or adding stuff mm-hmm. or getting rid of it, especially if it's a demo. Um, I don't want it to sound. I don't want it to sound good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Like it's, a, it's just an idea getting out there. Um, mm-hmm. Now, you Pro Tools or Logic? Do you have any idea what you used for? I think it's always Pro Tools when I whenever I work with anyone, and uh, but I, I guess I never really uh, double checked. I'm pretty sure it's Pro Tools. Um, I've only worked with a few different people. Dave Pytech in Cleveland, Will Pugh in Nashville, and then um, Sean O'Keefe, who did all the mixing. That's amazing. Sure, he uses Pro Yeah. Um, everything we did for the the Skyline record we did with Mike, I don't know what he used. He did everything in Monkey Trench Studios. And then um, Rishi cut his own stuff at Cal U, uh, California University uh-huh. of Pennsylvania. Their uh-huh. um, uh, music program department. I'm friends with those guys. Rishi came in for a day and cut all his stuff. But everything else nice. was literally written, recorded, and done in my mom's basement in her garage. And it was on. pop filters on stuff. For the drums, we used an Alessis kit, a drum set. And we used wow. Pro. We, uh, what the hell's the name of the um, program? Um, um, Get Good Drums, I think we used. Um, wow. For, for the drum plugins. And then um, all of the guitars were um amplitude and all the bases were amplitude we used the plugins. now i'm like dying to hear this <laughs> yeah it's not it's not bad and then my brother uh my brother mixed it um it uh we put, cut it through um ozone six or five at the time it was a it's a mastering program and he just hit wow. a preset on that and that was it and that was the mastering for it I'm so scared to do what you just said you did yeah. and, and like release it. But with that being said, Mike Collins TDR Records has released my song, my demos, uh, as the Promise Hero. Um, uh, the name of the album was called it. It was it was a summer. No, it's been what? a summer. Okay. It's been a summer. There's that one and there's another one that Mike released. Uh, that have all my demos on it that are 100% my garage band demos and I'm I was embarrassed about showing those to anyone until Mike was like let's release these I, and I was like okay you're leading the charge with this and 
So they're out there. And lastly, I have to ask you, what are your plans moving forward? Um, and uh, after uh, the, the the record that's just come out, do you plan on potentially touring with this? Um, and what do you plan on putting videos out or, or any anything moving forward with this to promote it a little more? Yes, all ideas are 100% open to me. Absolutely, I uh, I so I've been bothering like sending messages all the time to one of the people I bother is Ted Felicetti from uh, Don't Panic who he Ted is a booking agent and uh, I somehow stumbled upon his booking page many years ago and he finally started booking me and uh, before the pandemic for a couple years maybe even three years he was booking me and all the shows that he booked were were great shows around the country. Um, I did all my, he would book, get my foot in the door at the venue. He'd say, here's your date. Here's the context of the venue. Here's your guarantee. It's like a hundred or 200 bucks. Yeah. And then I would take the control of who gets to play that show in that area. So oh, that's rad. I, it was, it was so much work, but it definitely paid off because the, a lot of the venues, not all of them, but a lot of them were like, thanks for coming and here's your money. So I'm hoping to continue where I left off with Ted and I know he books for Bowling for Soup and he books himself and I would love to get my foot in the door with any, anything that he does. But if not, I still am trying to tour as much as possible. And um, uh, yeah, music videos for sure. I already released one for maybe I'm just crazy. It's just my face. Hey, you gotta but start somewhere with it and, and, and you know, uh, who knows that could be one of well, how many how many songs are, are on the EP six six if you buy the vinyl five if you listen to it on on Spotify and I plan to to release a music video for each song that's awesome that's awesome and I think <laughs> oh, I thought I heard the kids again um, I think that's all that I have for you uh, thanks for for talking to me um, your your new EP, which is your name, Bobby Vaughn, mm-hmm. is out uh, under TDR Records. Correct. And you could get that on all streaming platforms. And then you said there's a vinyl that's out. You can get that at tdrrecords.com. I, is that right? Absolutely. Yep. And do you have a website too, or is it? For now, we're directing everybody to tdrrecords.com. Um, I do have a website, and I'd probably just leave you back at tdrrecords.com. <laughs> But uh, that's all I have. Thanks a whole lot for talking to me. Good luck with the album. Stay safe. Um, and uh, that's it. Stay pop punk. That's how I usually end this. Uh, beautiful. Thank you, Braxton, for having me. And I cannot wait until we are in the same room together. Me too, man. Mm-hmm.